0: For over 20 years, I've had a weight issue that was masking a deeper issue, food addiction. Welcome to Food Addiction, a podcast about food addiction recovery. I'm your host, Julie Hatch. Well, this Happy New Year is already starting off on a wonderful note. My... First granddaughter on my side of the family was born between two and three o'clock this morning. So she is a new year's baby. She weighs six pounds and seven ounces and is 19 inches long. They named her Clementine Marie and she was actually the first baby born in their hospital. So her parents won a very nice gift basket from the hospital (laughs) for giving birth to the first baby of the year, born of the year. So, so exciting we have been anticipating her arrival through all of December because her due date, her mom's due date was December 30th or December 31st. So when December came around, we were already telling ourselves, Oh, the baby can come any day. And especially as it got closer to Christmas. (laughs) So we really were anticipating that big event, which leads me to talking about the subject of post event collapse syndrome because Not only were we experiencing that big event, but we were also finishing experiencing New Year's and then before that Christmas and then before that Thanksgiving. So it was sort of like this whole series of big events. And I hadn't learned about the post-event collapse syndrome until just this past week. And boy howdy, once I once I found the vlog about it, I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's exactly what I'm going through." So I want to give you an example. I got through Thanksgiving with flying colors. I had a plan and I stuck to that plan 100%. It gave me the confidence to get through any holiday with flying colors. However, Sometimes we do silly things and make dumb decisions. <laughs> and by the time Christmas rolled around, I hadn't been ba- I hadn't planned on baking anything until my husband had come to me and we we're trying to come up with some economical ideas on how we could um what kind of gifts we could give his coworkers. What could we do for Christmas for them? So the most economical and reasonable thing that came to our mind was to do take and bake where we just bake a, bake a whole bunch of goodies and take them to all the employees all of his co-workers but then he had a special request to try something that i'd never attempted before which was shortbread cookies and of course since i'd never done them i had to taste them and you know because what if it's junk and we don't want to give co-workers junk and it just ended up Oh, my goodness. Every time I baked something, it just turned out mediocre. And and then we decided it wasn't good enough to give to all of his coworkers. And then we had all this junk food hanging around our, our home. And it was a nightmare. It was horrible. And it just blew up in my face completely. So I derailed. And that's not cool. I, my derail didn't look consistent. It looked more like patchwork where I'd have, you know, some good meals and some not so good meals and some days that were strong and some days that weren't. But nevertheless, when I have a series of consecutive days, when when I have a row of consecutive days where I have patchwork, I consider that a derailment, that whole period. It's not until there's a break between my derailment that I feel like it's an official reset, right? So in order for my reset to be a reset, it needs to be something I'm doing consistently for days in a row (laughs) in my mind anyway. So Christmas was a nightmare. And on top of that, I thought, okay, since we know baby could come anytime during this month, we're just going to play it loosey-goosey. We won't, com- we won't commit our family members to coming over or anything like that. We're just going to have an open-door policy. We'll keep it simple, and it will be enjoyable. And I- our Christmas really was very simple, very enjoyable. Everybody ended up, all of my kids were together. My parents were there. We were all able to be together, and it was just perfect. And then we had a friend stay with us um, Christmas Eve to Christmas Day, and that was just so wonderful there's not anything I would have changed about our Christmas holiday. Um, so I was thinking, okay, great. And Christmas ends. And then the next thing, the next hurdle was, you know, New Year's Eve. Cause we had planned a New Year's Eve party, but then my daughter-in-law went to lay into labor, Christmas Eve at two o'clock in the morning. She was in labor for 26 hours guys. So <laughs> yeah. Um, so, she, around two o'clock, one or two o'clock in the morning on Christmas Eve is when she went to labor. So, then we were like, Well, gosh, we don't know if the baby's going to come. So, we canceled our New Year's Eve party that we were going to host. And it's so sad because I have all these cute little, you know, beaded necklaces and like little, I don't know, hat ornament thing and like <laughs> decorations. I mean, we, we were going to make it fun, play some games have some hamburgers. I was going to have the burger without the bun, like that kind of thing, right? So we were planning this party and then ended up canceling. And then we were just waiting on pins and needles. Well, this whole week leading up to new year's, I found myself falling asleep so, so easily and sleeping in until like 11 and 12 in the afternoon and or 12 noon. And I was thinking, what is wrong with myself? And then my immune system just took a hit. I was having sinus issues all over again and I had just had them earlier that month. So my sinuses were all jacked up. I was feeling my every muscle in my body was aching. I was having headaches. I just was not feeling very good. I was sleeping a lot. And it, it continued, continued, continued. And then today, you know, this morning, baby's born. And I just thought, you know what? I need a day. And I definitely don't want to bring this sinus stuff around the baby, especially because RSV and COVID are peaking again. And a lot of babies and young children are being affected specifically. So I don't want to bring this around baby. So I thought I better, we better wait. We'll wait until tomorrow when we can take our daughter because the hospital had an age limitation. So, or an age restriction, you have to be 18 or older in, in order to go and visit. So we thought this way she won't feel left out. I can kind of get some rest and get past some of the sinus issues and then we can go see baby tomorrow. So that was one of the hardest decisions that I've had to make because I have been waiting with baiting with bated breath to go see this little precious angel granddaughter of ours. <laughs> and so I am looking forward to this with great amb- anticipation tomorrow as is the rest of the family. We cannot wait. Having said that, it just felt like a series of big events and it all just came crashing down. My post-event collapse happened before the birth of our granddaughter and sort of in between Christmas and New Year's it's just that whole week. And I kept thinking, what is wrong with me? Like I am off off and I felt agitated and aggressive and all these things, all these ways. And then during the week, a friend of mine had shared about post events event collapse syndrome being a real thing. And I'm like, what? I have never heard of that. And so I did some research and that's when I discovered that Dr. Susan Pierce Thompson was the one who had coined that phrase. And she had done a vlog about it, so I went and watched her vlog, and then I went and watched another um, experts v- video on YouTube about it, which was basically regurgitating what <laughs> Dr. Susan Pierce Thompson was sharing. So that's when I went, Oh, that's what this is. I'm going through post event collapse syndrome, and it's so real. My sugar cravings were just so crazy all week long, and I was just really feeling beginning to feel depressed, even just like, am I ever going to snap out of this? Like, I just don't feel normal. And I started really worrying, like something's really wrong with me. (laughs) I couldn't put my finger on it. So when you have someone that can put into words, what is going on with you, it, it brings so much clarity and relief because then you can make decisions about it. Then, you know, you're not going crazy, right? Well, that's what happened. So when you are experiencing post-event stress syndrome, it's usually leading up to the big event, your body will release these stress hormones, your adrenal glands basically go offline and you have all these symptoms, right? That I mentioned earlier. You, you have cravings and headaches, your your muscles might ache, you may feel overly sleepy and tired. Um, exhausted, even lethargic. So you may even be experiencing some depression or anxiety. All of these these things hit you all at once. And Dr. Susan Pierce Thompson discovered that this is a common time for people to derail is during a post-event collapse. So she felt it was important to put the word out about it and to put a name to it. To help people not only prepare to get through the holidays healthy and well, but also after the holidays when most people end up derailing, when they collapse and they just are fatigued and cannot do one more thing. So what do you do when you're experiencing post-event collapse syndrome? It's very simple. There's three things that you can do and probably more than that, but I'm going to share three. So first and foremost, make sure you're eating well, Your what we consume, what we eat can directly affect our moods and our energy levels. So you want to make sure you're eating well, and you also want to make sure that you're bolstering your immune system. Make sure that you're supporting your immune system by eating well-balanced, nutritious, healthy meals, ones that are packed with vitamins and minerals and all the things that you need make sure you're staying hydrated, right? So take care of your physical body. The other thing is you want to take care of yourself mentally and emotionally by finding some quiet, find quiet space, create some quiet space where you can just recharge and reconnect and if you need to stay in that space for a while, that's fine. She says that post event collapse syndrome can last anywhere from two to three days to two, th- two to three weeks or even more. So it just depends on the magnitude of the event and the event can be good or bad. So give yourself that time to be quiet and still um, give your mind and your heart a rest. And then of course you also want to support yourself with sleeping and resting, getting adequate sleep and rest. You may be sleeping more than usual. That's okay. Give yourself that. I think one of the hardest things, if I had realized or recognized earlier that what I was going through was post-event collapse syndrome, I wouldn't have been so hard on myself anytime I was sleeping because I just felt downright lazy. I felt, I started feeling guilty for how much I was sleeping in and just falling asleep in the middle of the day. Like I couldn't even keep my eyes open. I was really starting to sink in that depression and then that mental chatter, right. That, that always seems to accompany it. And I think that's also another reason why you, why it's so common for people to derail after big events. So make sure that you're getting adequate sleep and rest and know that you may be g- giving yourself more to compensate for the aftermath of these big events. You know, your body may need more than normal, and that's okay. Um, Support yourself in those three ways and know that it is a real thing and that people do experience it, and there are statistics to support that. So uh, if you haven't seen her vlog, you may want to go look it up on her cell phone on the cell phone app for BLE, or you can also go on YouTube and find Dr. Susan Pierce Thompson's vlog about post-event collapse syndrome. Okay. I also wanted to update you because in the, in the throes of this whole post-event collapse syndrome thing that I was definitely going through, I had a couple of epiphanies and one was that I started recognizing that I was not only needing a social group online, but I needed one face-to-face. I was really hoping for um, a group that I could meet up with that does specifically does BLE or wants to do BLE that's in my own community and that we could meet up face-to-face. And so I decided to create a support group that I host every Saturday from noon to one in my home for anyone who was doing BLE or wanting to do BLE. And I thought about like, this is really being out of my comfort zone or my comfort level. It's really outside of that because I have this tendency to my, first of all, my home is very, very sacred space to me. It's one of, it's like, where I let my guard down, where I can 100% be myself and not feel any pressure or deal with the outside world. I can just go and be safe, right? It's like, I can be safe in my home. And I, I pride myself in creating a very peaceful, harmonious environment in my home. I, I try very hard to maintain a very high level of peace and harmony in my home. So my home, I don't just bring anybody into my home, um, I'm very selective about how much time I want people to be in my space or how many people I want in my space because I know that um, I do experience social anxiety, especially when those groups become larger. And so doing this, I had no idea what kind of interest there would be. And there's only been a few people really that have been interested. So it's probably gonna start out very small and it may stay small, I don't know but i recognized that this was a need that i had and i couldn't find it so what do you do when you can't find something you create it that's what i did and the reason i'm sharing this with you is because you can be doing the same thing in your community you don't have to wait and if you can't find something create it that's how this podcast came to be as well in fact that's how most things that i've created have come to be there were, i had a need for them and i couldn't i couldn't find solution to the need so i just created it (laughs) and it definitely puts me outside of my comfort zone but i also know that we don't grow and we don't learn without being uncomfortable that we need to learn how to become comfortable with being uncomfortable in order to learn and grow so i i am encouraged by this and i hope that people will see the value in it and want to participate in it and that we can get a decent size group, not too large. It would be nice if it was a little bit more intimate. I I prefer intimate groups and those who know me know that I don't know how to do small talk. I just don't. Um, I get nervous around people and then I talk really fast and then I end up talking over them and I'm a terrible listener (laughs) most of the time. So unless somebody says "I, I need, I need you to listen, then I'll listen. But Yeah, it's one of those things where I I get a little anxious. And I feel that way even now as I'm putting together, you know, I was putting together today, what I wanted to do every Saturday, you know, because it's a potluck and a discussion. So what am I going to discuss? What am I going to be leading the discussion in, right? So I created that. Um, and then just recently before that, I had created a group called Foodiction that was inspired by this podcast on Facebook. So if you're not in there and you want to give your, share your thoughts and views about some of the subjects that I share in these podcasts, that is the space in the forum to do them in. So you want to go to facebook.com backslash groups, backslash fooddiction and join that group. Um, and there you will have an opportunity to share your voice and to share your experiences or your thoughts about any given subject um, that I do with these podcasts. And you can also share your own journey um, in there. If you're like me and the others in that group that are working towards healing and overcoming food addiction, then this would be probably a really nice fit for you. Okay. So then I've done this podcast, which then started this group, which then started this live group, this like support group thing. And none of it is business related. I learned a long time ago when I was an entrepreneur for about five years, I was an entrepreneur and I learned a long time ago that not everything we do, even though there is value in what we may be doing, not everything we do has to generate an income or money even if it's worthy of that it's not necessary that was a huge learning curve for me by the way because once you turn something into a business you then have to take into consideration the amount of time and energy it's going to take to uh, advertise to promote to find your clients all of that so when you're able to be selective about do, you know, do I want to turn this into a business or not? It allows you to, um, to determine how much time and energy needs to go into it. Right. So I know what my max time and energy looks like at this point, and I know what's too much and what's too little. And so being able to do this just as a service is um, wonderful. And it's, it's, Fulfilling for me, and it's helpful for me. But I also hope, 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 excuse me, I also hope that it is equally helpful for others. And I recognize that if I had turned this into a business at this point in time, that I would be biting off more than I can chew. So maybe in the future, somewhere down the road, who knows? But right now, um, I'm focused just on this and doing this, and I I get great pleasure out of being able to bring people together and support each other in healing from a food addiction. So I, I'm not an expert, but that doesn't mean that I can't help people make a, a change in their lives or support them, right? Or even just make new friends, you know? So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to organize things and to, you know, build things that, you know, aren't out there yet. <laughs> Don't be afraid to try new things. And maybe they are, but maybe it's not your flavor, right? Maybe it's not your style or your stamp. And that's okay, too, because you can always create that. So that's, you know, one thing that I kind of recognized is I've been kind of asking myself, why am I not doing this as a business? And really what it comes down to is I just don't have the time or energy or the means right now to focus on a business. I have a lot of projects that are in my basket right now. And, um, and I recognize that and I'm, I'm glad that I recognize that so that I'm not, I'm not overdoing it. But the other thing that I recognize this past week, my non-scale victory, so to speak, is this question of, you know, I kind of had this whole week that looked like patchwork that for me is just all under the umbrella of derailed, right? It's I derailed that week and i was asking myself why when i know what i want and i know what's good for me and i know what works and and i know what doesn't work why then am i still derailing why am i there <laughs> is it that this addiction recovery plan is unsustainable is it that i I can't do it long term. It's not not sustainable. Or is it because I won't do it? I won't do the work. I don't want to do the work. And I hate to tell you, but it was actually the latter one. I didn't want to do the work. That's what it came down to. I reached a point where, and especially this, this, this is the other thing, and this is where I saw this so vividly. This whole post-event collapse thing, right? I, I realized I am exhausted, and I cannot do one more thing. And I don't even have the the will. It's not even willpower, but the willingness. I don't even have the willingness to want to try. I just don't want I don't want to do this. So therefore, it's not sustainable because I don't want to do it. Not because. I can't do it, but because I don't want to. And that distinction is very important. It's a very important one because I think it's so easy to use the excuse and to lean on that as, oh, that's not sustainable. Today is kind of funny. I had this thought in my mind. I was reading this article by an intuitive health coach who was advertising her business and and really saying a lot of ignorant things in her article. Um It's almost like I kind of, this is one reason, one major reason why I do this podcast is to raise awareness about food addiction recovery because you come across situations like this and it's really uncomfortable (laughs) because it's not true. This intuitive health coach was saying that BLE is not sustainable and that it's complete BS. And I just thought how ignorant must you be to have said that? And how much harm are you doing by speaking in absolutes and selling your program as the cure-all, even for curing food addiction? But really what she's supporting, I believe is a weight loss program. And you cannot compare a weight loss program with a food addiction recovery program. It's like comparing apples and oranges. Um, Your results may be the same, apples and oranges are fruit, but they're also entirely different. Right. And so is a weight loss program compared to a food addiction recovery program. So it was frustrating to read that because I thought so many people, it's not that her program doesn't have value. I think intuitive, um, having an intuitive, Relationship with food and your body is extremely important, and I think it's a piece in your health in anybody's health journey. I think it's it's good to learn that, but I don't see it as the cure all because it's not answering the problems of what happens in the brain when you have a sensitivity to sugar, flour, and, and healthy fats. When your brain responds addicted to those substances, most people that have a low susceptibility to food addiction can usually do something in moderation. They can usually get away with it. But those of us who are higher on that spectrum, absolutely cannot, Um, eating, eating anything with sugar and flour, even in moderation does not work for many of us. And so I felt like this health coach was dismissing that fact and dismissing a lot of the evidence the scientific evidence that supports what dr susan pierce thompson is doing and so many others that ex other experts that are now on that same bandwagon are starting to do um so yeah just be careful i i really struggle with people speaking in absolutes like that when it comes to our bodies because we all have you know different bodies um some function differently than others. And that's just a, that's just a fact. So you have to be careful. I think even with BLE, if that's something that you're doing, um, you have to be careful not to be selling it as the cure all. I think that you have to leave room for people to exercise their agency and to discover those things that work best for them and their bodies. Although I will say that I've never felt better than when I have doing BLE and I'm grateful that I've come across this program. It's been a game changer. It's it's definitely in my mind, the harder route. It requires sacrifice, but not really in the same point. Not really because by the time you purge the sugar out of your body and the flour out of your body and all of those unhealthy things, those cravings become significantly less and much more manageable. And the longer that you exercise this program and stay on plan, the easier it does become. And then before you know it, you're no longer bound to the very thing that keeps your brain addicted. And that is true freedom. That is true freedom. So is it really a sacrifice or is it something that you're gaining? Um, I think it's probably both. In order to gain, you do need to make some sacrifices and do things that other people are not doing that the majority of people aren't doing. You have to put up with the criticisms and you have to deal with people who have the biggest hearts but don't understand food addiction and are offering things that you're addicted to, right? You have to deal with those things. It is the harder route, but I also think it's the the route that that renders the biggest and most rewards. And you know, that's just my own personal opinion. It's okay if you disagree, but that's been my experience and the difference between doing this plan and the over 20 plus plans and programs that I've tried before. So big epiphany, the difference between won't and can't and learning all about dual mindedness and how to kind of get my heart and mind on the same page. And really for me, it was asking God for a change of heart in prayer and being willing to surrender my will to his Um, also leaping, taking leaps of faith and knowing that he would help me and come through and he has so grateful for those revelations. I hope that what I've shared with you today will help you through big events and even small events. (laughs) Um, this is the first episode of season two. So thank you for joining me. I have a lot to look forward to, and I, I look forward to getting through this year with you. So again, if you're not in the food addiction group, go join the food addiction group on Facebook. And I would love to connect with you and hear from you make today. Great.